Hey, Father. Oh, I'm doing well. How are you? Ooh, great. I know I'm serving scary spies. So what book are we doing today? Oh, we're doing the doot doot. Okay, bet. All right, call back later. Bye. We're doing the book of Deuteronomy, guys. Welcome to another episode of Bible Stories con Brianda. Brianda. And joining me once again is the one, the only... The heathens. Yes, we've got Alex Media. Mm-hmm. Hey, what up, Alex? What's up? What's up? How you doing? How you doing? I'm doing well, right. and I have my other heathen here, Clara. Hey. My homie Clara is back. I loved what you were giving last week. Thank you. We had to have you back. Thank you. You know, I went out to lunch with my girl, Natasha. Hey, shout out to Natasha. She's going to be on an HBO show, The Time Traveler's Wife. Natasha Lopez, look her up. She's incredible. Ooh, nice. Um. She, uh, she told me that with our energy was so funny. It looked like I was on cocaine because you're so chill and I'm, <laughs> and I'm so me. <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm not on coke or Adderall. She's just super chill. And I'm like, I was nervous too. So I was like, you didn't seem nervous at all. That's good. But it was your first podcast ever. And you're mm-hmm. an atheist. 100%. The atheist was like making you mellow just or like, something. Cool. Yeah. But no, we got another episode this week. We're going to start up with some questions before we dive into the story. Just a couple, because this episode is dense, okay? And we're going to need all the time we can get. So let's pop into some questions. Alex, you ready? Questions? Yep. Clara, ready? ready? Okay. The first question, and this is a question I get all the time, but I never answer it for whatever reason, but I'm going to answer it now. Um, the question is, uh, would I ever date an atheist? Uh, mm. Would I ever date one of you? Mm. <laughs> One of you, uh, kind of. Uh, um, okay, for me, short answer, no. I would not. Fair enough. I want to have kids one day. I want to have a family. I've already dated lukewarm Christians. I've already dated atheists, and it just doesn't work. It doesn't, I, I've tried it. It's not just me, like, writing them off entirely. I've tried it. I think they're great. I think we can be great friends, but I would eventually end up resenting you once we went to talk about family. Oh, wow. I mean, sense. I'm just being that honest. That makes sense, though. Yeah. You know, like what I you're mean? not on the same page. You don't want like you don't have the same values or, you know, beliefs. So I would kick him out if he <laughs> talked to our children and was like, meh, maybe he's there. Maybe there's a God. I would literally kick him out, you know. So okay. it's like, why would I even and how are you going to raise it? It's just like, no, it doesn't like I think we were talking about it on the last episode. Respect. 100%. So as a friend or, you know, just dealing with people that are non-believers, 100%. But you trying to build something with this person. Yeah. And your complete opposite beliefs. Like, Yeah. And I was telling you before, and I don't know if Homeboy's going to be watching this episode, <laughs> but I was dating this guy. It was literally just a date. And he was the kind of Catholic guy. I had to end it because it just was, it just wasn't going to work. And I told him that in the, in the goodbye you know, message. I told him, and you know what? I also think that like, had I known that you weren't a believer, I wouldn't have taken, I wouldn't taken you on, on this date. I mean, um, I wouldn't have accepted your date offer. And he responded with and I mean, honestly, if you're listening, sorry, bro, but, um, <laughs> he responded with, <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to talk crap about him. He's a good guy. God bless. Mazel. You're just talking facts here. You're just <laughs> yes. explaining what happened. Exactly. These are just observations, <laughs> but he re- responded with, well, I mean, isn't being a good person a, a good enough driving force for you to date someone? And honestly, no, it's not. And I believe that person to be a good person. Am mm-hmm. I, I? Who am I? 
I'm a shit person. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm not, it's not about that. And then, ooh, ooh, ooh. And then I've had another guy that I stopped dating because he wasn't a believer, uh, uh, which I didn't find out till later. And he said something like, well, you're discriminating. Isn't that a little bit discriminatory? How and is that discriminatory? Like, I know what I want. You're just not what I want. And you're just mad because I don't want you pretty much. But how is that discriminatory? I don't see how Sorry. I could have babies with someone who doesn't have any faith. It's just impossible. It literally is impossible for me. Sorry, bro. Yeah. There's things that are just <laughs> fundamental on a relationship. Like you can have completely opposite beliefs in such a big thing and expect that. And what were you saying before? Work. The like, if, okay, someone who works out a lot eats super healthy. Yeah, exactly. Like it's the same as having someone who's like super fit and all about the fit life and, you know, the healthy lifestyle gym trying to date someone who's all about McDonald's sitting down on a couch. Mm. It's not going to work. You have like two different ways of navigating. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And even if they, the not this past guy, but the guy before said, well, also, what if I decided to take on Christianity for you? And I said, ha, that's wrong. I would never want to change anyone. Mm. I want to love you and like you and want you as you are. Furthermore, if you want to develop a relationship with God, that should be something you should want for yourself. Mm -hmm. Matter of fact, if you try to do it for me, now I like you even less. Less, <laughs> pussy. If anything, yeah, <laughs> I like you even less. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. like, I don't know. Absolutely not. I want to meet you where you are. Bro. Mm -mm. Yeah. Wow. I guys are going to mm. hate me. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, no, guy, no guys ask me out. No guys, like, hit on me. I feel like guys hit on me more with my other show than they do with this one. Like, I mean... I mean, I know. <laughs> of course. <laughs> but that's not fair. Am I hopeless? Do I need to move to the South? Nah. I don't think so. I mean, you guys, well, I, I don't know. Because the guys in New York just aren't, in, a, either they're not into the celibacy thing, which I get. That's a, that's a, bit, that's a big ask. But. Big. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Like, or like, the, the, what is, what's the question they always ask? They'll be like, they'll be like, like, is everything off the table? And I'm like, <laughs> like, yes, yes, everything is off the table. I'm not just going to suck your dick, like, and stop there. Like, mm -hmm. what? It makes no sense. Yeah. That's not, it goes against my celibacy practice. <laughs> but anyways, basically, I'm going to be a nun, apparently, or something. A nun in a fashion overdress. <laughs> anyways, guys, all right. The second question is, all right, oh, oh hi, honey. You're going to recognize this DM from you. Hello, this I'm answering you now. I didn't mean to ignore you. Um, but she said that uh, my friends want to go to a psychic, but I'm not sure I feel right about that. Mm. I'm not that religious now, but mm. I grew up in the church, and I remember reading that that was not good. Any thoughts? <sighs> okay. My thought first is, if you're already feeling this kind of way about it, don't do it. I, and that applies for like anything. If you feel wishy-washy about going on a date, if you feel, you feel wishy-washy about uh, trimming your hair, taking a trip, whatever, if it's wishy-washy, you need to take a beat, like mm. take a pause because you're obviously sensing something and you should listen to that. I mean, my spiritual practice makes it acute. Anytime I feel even a sliver of doubt or something, I know, ha ha. So there's something God's trying to tell me here. I got I to gotta meditate on it. Um, so I would say no. It's also against my religion as well. I'm going to tell you what I believe. Divination, all those dark magic stuff. Mm. That stuff is frowned upon in the book. We're not allowed to worship other things. We're not allowed to worship idols. That's mm. against my beliefs. 
Uh, and it's not even to say that I don't that I doubt the psychic. Maybe the psychic really knows what the hell she's talking about and doing. But I don't want that energy on me. I don't know what portal you're opening and what energy I'm going to be adopting because of the juju. You know, all because someone's about to tell me what I'm about to eat next week. I don't care that much. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? I agree with you. First of all, anything that makes you uncomfortable or you have second thoughts about it, you shouldn't be doing because you're not 100%. So if you're already feeling a way about it, don't. And second, um, well, I obviously, same way, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in psychics. Like, I don't believe that. Oh, really? I yeah. love that you keep it consistent. Yeah, I don't believe, like, whatever they're saying is true. But um, Wait, do you believe also, if I were, like, I she said she grew up Catholic, right? Or Christian. In the church. Like in the church. I do believe that that might have some influence, you know, influence on her. Because if you're a non-believer, like if you don't believe on psychics, then you wouldn't feel a second way about it. Like just, you know, like. A lot of my non-believer friends believe in psychics and tarot and all that stuff. So here's the thing. Me, I'm a non-believer, but there's like this 1% that freaks me out is anything to do with spirits. And it's funny because I don't believe in afterlife, but uh -huh. <laughs> for some reason, like <laughs> ghosts me freak me out. I like think, I think that's movies. Oh, movies. Yeah. I think like media be. has like influenced your thoughts where it's like, ah, I don't believe in this, but I've seen so many spirits and depicted in like scary movies and shit like that, where it's like, yeah. ah, that could be true. Mm. Just like uh, people who don't believe in like uh, supernatural, but believe in zombies or zombie apocalypse and mm. stuff like that. I'm like, it's, it's ridiculous, but that's the one thing they choose to believe because mm. it's a movie. Oh, you're that right. Be, yeah. I that can't. I, I used to be obsessed with horror films, like especially oh, like I international horror. One. Now, ever since I've given my life to Christ, I can't. <laughs> I can't. I don't. I don't watch it because I, I believe in. I believe in spirits now more than ever. And like, I just know that if I let that seep into me, I'm already dark as it is. Like I have dark proclivities. <laughs> I think about deep sleep a lot. <sighs> <laughs> and it's concerning. <laughs> it's concerning, okay? Yes. So I can't, but wait, do you believe in astrology? No. It's an epidemic. The, the pandemic no. is astrology. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't believe in that at all. I know. Me neither. They're, they're everywhere on Twitter. Yeah. And they're like a virus. I lived in a house <laughs> with two women that loved that shit. And because of it, I in turn started doing it. I started being like, ooh, he's a cancer. He must be. It's like, what the heck? How the That's nah. like prejudice almost. Like there are people who won't develop relationships with people because they'll that's ask true. them what their sign is. Oh, and, then, yeah. and they'll automatically be like, oh, I feel like I know you. That's How limiting. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, that's ignorant to me. I'm sorry. Right. Oh wow. Oh, we're gonna get a lot of DMs here because there are a lot of sorry. Stand the stars. But yeah. yeah. And there's an. I, I I said this before to you and Wheezy when you guys asked me if I believe in it. I swear there's no coincidence that the only time I read a horoscope is when I'm clinically depressed. That's the only time I believe it. Anytime I'm like super duper down in the dumps, that's when I'll be like, all right, what a, what's in my chart now? Mm -hmm. Like it's it, and I noticed that this past year is when I noticed I kept doing that, and I'm like, huh. Well, maybe, why don't I just like start taking it in the chin and like go, going through my malaise, going through my depression without that? Because mm -hmm. that may not be helping me. No. That may be and actually. How, how many times out of the times that you read it actually nailed it? it wait, oh, want to know the scary part? It nailed it every time. But I don't think it has anything to do with that. It has to do with how uh, weak 
willed and weak-minded i was i was so, so anything like, i read was like oh, oh okay yeah. i identified it mm. yeah that whatever i could mm. be yo i could have put in the wrong date on accident and been like oh that's happened to me so much like i put the wrong date in and be like oh man that's right and then i check the date and be like oh the date's wrong <laughs> uh, so I, there's I, your proof I with this too. Yeah. <laughs> like you know what i mean it's like how what are we what what are we doing here i don't know but that's just me sorry youtube comments if you believe in this i don't want to i mean people crap on my beliefs and stuff and i i don't want to you know demean your beliefs mm -hmm. i just think astrology is bullshit <laughs> market well i don't know why but i've been so aware i've been more like unreleased with you here more myself That's i was good. telling you that like my biggest fear with doing a bible show is that people think that i i like live by the word of everything that i'm this perfect little angel mm -mm. And I'm far from that, you know? And having like people here helps me loosen up. You know mm -hmm. what I'm That's saying? Good. I Show like you it. Like, you're I know. Sad. I, I kind of like it. Yeah. Even though the evangelists are going to not dislike me, but it's okay. Because I feel like the more you do podcasts, the more people get to know you, the more grace they offer you. Mm. Like they like bond. Like they create this. Yeah. Connection. I'm like their friend. So I, I'm just going to give you who I am. And I'm if dead. you don't like something, you can. And now we're going to dive right into the story. We're doing Deuteronomy today, which is the fifth book in the Torah, the fifth book in the Pentateuch, the last book authored by our boy, Moses. Now, like I gave you guys in an intro in Leviticus, I'm going to give you the same spiel for Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is a really dense book in the Bible that's not really story driven like any of the other books. Mostly because uh, a lot of the lessons that uh, Moses is imparting unto the Israelites in the book of Deuteronomy are all laws, new laws and regulations. Uh, actually, in Hebrew, Deuteronomy means second law, which is the purpose of Deuteronomy. But what makes Deuteronomy even more boring, I mean, I don't want to say boring, but it is, um, is that it's a review. It's a recap of the last five books that we've just read. Um, I was, I was thinking about this. I was thinking like, what's the point of Deuteronomy then? And then it hit me because I'm a new Testament queen. I'm a Christian, you know this. And I actually didn't start reading much of the old Testament until I started doing this show. And I realized that in the canonical gospels of the new Testament, you know, the book of Luke, John, Matthew, Mark, in Luke, Jesus quotes Deuteronomy more than any other book in the Old Testament. And not only that, recaps are really important when you're studying anything. Like, how, what do they say? Like, you really have learned something when you've reviewed it seven or eight times. That's when you really know that it lands. It would have been really cool to have Wheezy here to see if that bitch paid attention <laughs> to anything for this episode. <laughs> because that's what this book is. The, the, first ha the first chunk of Deuteronomy is Moses recapping the 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 past telling the israelites um well no the where we left off is moses is now speaking to the new generation because remember in numbers because of their disobedience god took 40 years to basically kill off that last generation so that the new generation would inhabit the promised land that was because of their sins. They're, they had sinned too, too much. So God fulfilled his 
that promise after they broke theirs. Mm. So Deuteronomy picks up where we left off. And now Moses is talking to the new generation about, here are the house rules before we enter. And the way he starts is he tells them stories about how their grandparents and their parents messed up. He tells them about the rebellions of the past. He tells them about, remember Korah and the grounds swallowing him open. He tells them about, uh, uh, the, the remember at the Mount Sinai in the book of Exodus, where the Israelites in front of God, after they say, yes, we'll believe in the covenant, we'll, we'll, we promise, they started worshiping a golden calf. Literally, God is right there. Moses re re um, recalls this to the new generation because the new generation wasn't there for that. You know what I'm saying? So he's reminding them why we're at where we're at. And uh, let's pop into scripture so that we have a little bit more um, uh, proof. So let's pop into scripture. Deuteronomy chapter one, verse 27. You grumbled in your tents and said, the Lord hates us. So he brought us out of Egypt to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. And when Moses is saying you, he doesn't mean you, you. He means the people of Israel, just like, by the way, it could be a little confusing because could you imagine like a 20 year old being like, Moses, I wasn't there for that. It wasn't me. I'm innocent. Now in Deuteronomy chapter one, verses 32 to 34, he elaborates, you know, in spite of this, you did not trust in the Lord, your God, who went ahead of you on your journey in fire by night and in a cloud by day to search out places for you to camp and to show you the way you should go. This is Moses telling them, he was your compass. He was your guide throughout all of this. You know, how else could these new generation of Israelites understand the gravity of a relationship with God unless you know the history, which is also why Genesis was also so important. Like, the, let's not forget the very first covenant that was ever made was in the book of Genesis with Abraham, the father of the Jews, the father of all nations. That was the first covenant. Uh-huh. Now, um, Canaan is what's promised to you, and that is what um, Moses tells him. But what I think is kind of cool is that while Moses is explaining to them the ins and outs of what's going to happen throughout the next couple of years, God also reveals to Moses, who then reveals to the people, that there are other lands, like we talked about before, the Moabites uh, or the, the towns east of the Jordan. Like, there are going to be other towns, and God tells him, the only, the only land that's promised to you is Canaan. Don't try and be greedy. Don't think that because you're my children, you can storm up into these other places and start calling shots. That's not what you're here to do. <laughs> you're laughing. <laughs> but it's true. I think that's so important. Um, so let me read scripture of that. That's Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 4. You are about to pass through the territory of your relatives, the descendants of Esau. Remember Esau? who lives in Seir, they will be afraid of you, but be very careful. Do not provoke them to war, for I will not give you any of their land, not even enough to put your foot on. I have given Esau the hill country of Seir. And then he also tells him about Lot. Lot is another person, another character. He also, God tells him, I also gave Lot this land. And I think that's so dope that even though these people are not of the Abrahamic line, technically they may not, they don't believe in God either. He says, you're going to you're going to have to respect them. I thought that's really really cool especially talking to you and we spoke about this last week like to hear that God is understanding of people who are not of his kin, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, by not of his kin it means like 
uh, um, not of the not of that holy Abrahamic line, but if we're being honest, everyone's everyone's his child. You know what I'm saying? But God understands that there are people who you are going to have opposing ideals and opposing uh, spiritual systems with, and even then, He does not condone war. He does not condone that kind of animosity between your Brothers and sisters, it doesn't matter where you come from. I thought that was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's seldom discussed in the Bible. Everyone always talks about the parts of the Bible that are divisive and polarizing, you know? And it's like, there are so many other less sensational parts of the Bible that display the opposite. Mm-hmm. But it's not, it's not that fun to mention those parts. So if he's the one and like, you have to live or think by his, I don't know how you call it, like no religion, but his word his I guess, covenant like covenant the promise yeah yeah talking about respecting people that are not from like then you are saying that there's other options so you're no, not no, 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 the no. one anymore so he's not saying there's other options because in the text he gave them that land so i don't know if you've um i don't know if you watched the previous episodes but esau is jacob who is known mm. as israel he's one of the the fathers one of the patriarchs his brother So we're all family and God promised Esau land and God promised Lot land. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it's, he's not really saying that they have another God or that he, he's just chill about them having another God. No, no, no. God gave them that land. And what he's telling the Israelites is that land is not your land. Don't become too overzealous. Don't let your pride overtake you to think that because I'm helping you out here, that means that you are uh, entitled to this land. That's not how it works. There are boundaries and parameters here. Mm. It kind of reminds me of how a parent is with a child. Mm. Like a child without boundaries, a child without rules is a lost child. Yeah, that I agree. You know what I'm saying? And it, it, when oftentimes when you read these laws and these regulations, it's he's speaking to us like his children. Okay. But I think that was kind of cool that God is such an overseer and all-knowing God that he understands that we're going to have division and whatever, and he's handling them. Don't you try and play God. Mm. That's where the Israelites, the older generation, that's what messed them that's up. They, mm-hmm. When they tried to play God, when they doubted God, when they, when they operated from a place of fear and doubt, and then made other people fear and doubt. Hmm. God didn't like that. So it's, it's, the, the common thread is fear is always the root of how we fall. I also want to chat about how Moses lets the, uh, uh, the new generation know about their battles and their victories. And if you go into, I think it's chapters three, four, three through six, Moses discusses more of these battles that they won. And in this time, Moses also tells them, Yeah, and by the way, you can like f- imagine him. He's 121 years old at this time. He's probably like, a, he's bitter, I bet, a little bit, a little bit now. And he, te- he says in the text, he says, because of you guys, that's why God isn't going to let me see the promised land a little bit. He sprinkles out a little bit in there. And this is a prophet. I don't know, it kind of humanizes him for me. It kind of makes him seem like, no, he's, a, he's an actual person who was pissed. Could you imagine? I'd be a little bitter. He has to pass the torch down to Joshua after all these years. That's what I said last night. I was like, yo, I've been sacrificing my whole life and now I don't get it. Like, I don't get the prize. You just, well, if you think it. about it, if you think about it, Moses was really only ever in the desert, the hot desert, 
with with ghetto Israelites. <laughs> no, no, with like with grumbling Israelites. He was only ever with like them complaining and stuff. And just he like, never got to. The... Yeah, but that was his position. And listen, Moses was is is one of the most pivotal and important prophets in the text. So like, even though he doesn't make it to the to the promised land. He is important. In my religion, not as important as Jesus Christ, but he's up there. He gave us the five fundamental books of the Torah, of the Bible. Like, so, I mean, I think it's kind of cool that he, we human, he humanizes himself. At least they kept that in the Bible to be like, oh, no, this guy's petty. He's kind of like <laughs> upset or this guy's kind of upset. You know what I'm saying? And... The first half of his speech, because that's what the Deuteronomy is. Deuteronomy is Moses giving a long speech. He even <laughs> sings at the end, y'all. <laughs> Stay tuned for that. Um, but the first chunk is him discussing the past, like I said, the rebel, the rebellions, God um, being bothered and angered at those 40 years, the battles that they won. Now we're going to switch gears. The this last half of Moses' speech discusses the future and discusses what the future will look like for them. Because he lets them... If they behave. Yeah. Okay. Because he lets them know, you guys, I'm not going to be... I'm not going to be there. Some of this new generation grew up with Moses. Hmm. They only know Moses. And now they're saying that Moses is about to die. So now he's saying, okay, you guys, we're going to need you to buckle up and really pay attention here. You're going to have to start obeying these laws. Not just the laws that your forefathers, your grandparents broke. We're going we're gonna to give you some new laws. We're going to give you a second law, a renewal of a covenant, kind of like a vow, renewals of your vows. Mm -hmm. That's what this, uh, this second half of the speech represents. It's also where we get Deuteronomy, the second law. So they know that they're about to enter a land that's wicked. Canaan is the promised land, but Canaan is also known to be very wicked. What we knew from the spies that went in from the book of Numbers mm -hmm. is that these people that, were in, that inhabited this space they uh, worshipped idols. They were huge. They were like literally huge. Like Nephilim is what they call it in uh, biblical terms. Nephilim are like um, fallen angels that were that made Shaquille O'Neal look like a dwarf, like looked like a small person. They were huge. That's Giants. why the people came back and they were like, "There's no way we can beat them." <laughs> that that's the people who are inhabiting Canaan. Yeah, and um, he warned, so Moses warned them of this and urged them to set themselves apart from others, to make themselves distinct and make it known. And how do they do this? How do they, make the, how do they distinguish themselves from the, uh, the Canaanites, the other Canaanites, when they get there? By making sure that they remember the practice, practicing the covenant. Oof. I just want to, like, break real quick, like... Hmm. The way you're going to obey these laws is by remembering all that God has done for you. And that's the core of everything I'm about to say. So just remember that. You remember that. Moses is telling them to remember. That's it. The way we can assure yourself that you're going to obey these laws is to remember what God did. So just like being grateful and it trust could, that. Hey, man, it could, it could manifest itself in, in many different ways. Um, but it's just, an, it's, it's, it's crucial. Remember. And I think that every single part, every single word that he utters has the underpinning of remember God's grace that he had on you, that, that he had on your forefathers that they did not deserve. 
if you if we think about it, they didn't. Ooh. God didn't deserve. They didn't deserve that. I think mm -hmm. you asked me the other day, like, well, it's not fair, whatever. It's like, how entitled? God mm -hmm. doesn't deserve to give us anything. You know what I'm saying? God is showing mercy on us. The difference between mercy and grace, right? Like grace is, is, are things that we receive that we don't deserve. Mm. Mercy is when we receive something, when we don't receive something we deserve. That was really confusing. Mm. But believers know what I'm talking about. The difference between mercy and grace is how you're going to read the Bible. If, if you fundamentally understand what I, what I mean by that, do you want me to repeat it? Again, yes. Mercy please. and grace. The difference between mercy and grace when God shows us grace, he's displaying something to us. He's imparting something to us, blessings, whatever have you, that we do not deserve. Okay, yeah, she's getting comfortable. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> This is just so important. And mercy is when God gives us something that we don't deserve. Hold on. Oh. So just looking it up, oh, uh, mm. grace is defined as courteous goodwill, meaning it's not asked for nor deserved, but <gasps> yes. it's freely given. Mercy, on the other hand, is the compassion and kindness shown to someone whom it is in one's power to punish or harm. Mm. It is an act meant to relieve someone of their suffering. Okay, there yeah. we go. That That's very, okay, thank you for that, Al. Yeah. That is the Webster's Dictionary of what it is. I still was trying to convey something else, but ultimately that's what it is. Mm. I just couldn't get it out now because mm. I'm not going to, I'm not a theologian. I'm not a pastor, <laughs> mm. but I know that when my pastors talk to me about God showing us grace or having mercy on us, that, that hits when I see the word mercy in a song, it's something I feel mm. like that's why I put my head down sometimes. Cause I'm like, Oh my God, I don't deserve any of this. Or like, even when I book things or when I like something really great things happen to me, sometimes I'm like, I don't feel like I deserve it, but because you've bestowed it on me, I will humbly receive it. It's this thing, girl. Dude, relationship, a relationship with God is a trippy one. It, it's something you feel, and it's someone you know. It's, not, it's like a... Ah, it's like trying to translate these messages into words that I feel like I'm a baby, though, because I don't know how to speak it yet, but I feel it. And I try my best to try and convey it, but it doesn't land every time as you, as you witnessed. But I'm going to keep that in. It's also at this point where Moses breaks down the Ten Commandments again. And here is where he's looking at all these new generation of Israelites and he shares a new prayer with them called a Shema. And what I've learned through research in preparation for this episode is that a bunch of Jewish people use the Shema or say the Shema in the morning, in the nighttime. Mm. And I also saw that Jesus repeated this same prayer in another book in the New Testament. It's so neat. Um, if you want to, this is a little glimpse of that. Chapter 6, verses 4 to 6. It's, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Oof. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts impress them on your hearts. Meaning, he doesn't want you to just know the commandments. He wants you to, to feel them, to really understand them, because that's the only way they'll stick. That's the only way that you're going to remember. The only way you'll remember something is if you, re if, if you love it. You know what I'm saying? That's what happened with the mercy and the grace. Yes! Mm -hmm. That's the only way you'll afford it. You'll afford someone grace if you love them. And 
F us. Who cares about our grace? It's the grace that God bestows on us. Now I sound like I'm evangelizing. Mm. But that's what really matters here. It's not about us. And we'll talk a little bit more about that at the end. Mm -hmm. um, but essentially what, what Moses wants to convey to the Israelites is if you do not obey this new law, you're not going to get the land. I'm going to repeat that. Moses tells the Israelites, if you do not obey these new laws, you no longer have the land. Meaning that even if you're in there and you fall, the same way he gave it to you, he can take it away. And that's a little bit of foreshadowing. Because again, let's not forget, Moses is a prophet. And so much of the last part of his speech, he's prophesying. He's, he's giving you a little trailer, a little insight into what's going to happen in the future to these Israelites. And he starts off with two warnings. And the warnings are the first thing. Your thoughts are going to get you into trouble. What you think are going to get you into trouble. And this may not even be Moses prophesying. This may be just him observing trifling Israelites for years and seeing what's the first thing that typically happens. What's the straw that breaks the camel's back? <laughs> Camel, because they're in the desert. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> but what, 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 what was, what's the thing? And he observed that the first warning is thoughts of fear. Uh, uh, and the cure to this is to remember who God is and what he has done for you. Moses warns us in scriptures, chapter 7, verses 17 to 18. You may say to yourselves, these nations are stronger than we are. How can we drive them out? But do not be afraid of them. Remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh in Egypt. As simple as that. It has nothing to do with you. Just remember what he did for you. He'll, he'll show up again. Boom. Moses wants this generation and the future generations to be prepared for when these questions come up again, because they will inevitably come up. But you got to remember. So another way that uh, Moses tells the Israelites that they can remember God is by creating families with other believers. Ah. God didn't want the Israelites to procreate with the fallen people in Canaan. With the Nephilim, he said, no, don't do that. Procreate. Uh, uh, proliferate with your kind. Your own. Mm -hmm. And also, wait, hi, Tangi. This made me remind, this reminded me of how, like, you know, those arranged marriages that, mm. like, are common yeah. in Indian cultures and whatever. Mm -hmm. How, like, I, I, oh, maybe you can look it up, Alex. I don't know. But they're, like, wildly successful. The divorce rate for arranged marriages is super low. Mm. What? what? What's uh, your thought? So, um, it just, Divorce isn't popular amongst their culture, so that's why it's. And super also, they expect different from the marriage than what we expect. Yeah. What do they expect? Like the role is very defined on what a husband has to do and a wife has to do, and it's like you just perform those roles. You don't expect the support, or you don't expect these, or the cheating, or like this is something that is not, you know, on the table because yeah. you both know what you're supposed to do. We both like. Fulfilling. And, and not to generalize all of yeah, those relationships, right. but it's like as um, Clara was saying, it's like it's not. Uh, we want we focus on happiness, mm -hmm. and they're like, "Hey, no, let's have a successful family." Mm -hmm. Yes. So you is know, that they, so wrong? Is what I'm saying. I mean, it's not wrong, is that but so it's just wrong? like it's not that 
I think I'm just traditional. They work. No, no, but it's nah. not that the arranged marriage work because, hey, it's not that bad. It's just that it's such a different approach to marriage than yeah. what we're looking for on a relationship or a marriage. So you're trying to look for your soulmate, someone that, you know, like gives you like you can make happy and he makes you happy. And yeah, you both have like this super happy life. They don't focus on that. There's like, what do we need to do to have a lot of oh. kids and like them being successful in life? And you have this role and I have this role and that's it. So there's there's less room for disappointment. Okay, wait, am I Indian? Because <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I don't believe in soulmates. I don't even care about that. My guy doesn't even have to love me. <laughs> no, like, no, no, way. no, 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 no. I want, okay, no, there will be love. I'm not saying that. But I just think that this idea of soulmates, because it's what we see in TV, it's what we grew up with seeing, we're yeah. romanticizing relationships. That's not, and the Bible shows us that that's not what it is. It's like love is such a, like a, such a small part to a developing a family. It's like, no, you're married, you're married to the commitment. Mm. You are committed to this. If you sign on, if you marry me, we're committed to this. We're not, there's no, we're not getting a divorce, buddy. Mm. <laughs> but also like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> am, I, am I losing my mind? I guess no. it's because I'm of faith. Like I have so much faith in what my ancient source text uh, 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 requires of me that I have faith that it will work out. Like we're not getting a divorce. <laughs> hey, question. Would you guys get a prenup? Would you get a prenup? Yes, 100%. You would? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that was neck 100%. <laughs> really? Yeah. So that's a, okay, listen, for me, hi, Tangi. For me, oh, prenups, okay, wait, Alex, Al, what's your, would you get a prenup? I would. Really? Yeah, yeah I would. Like, why not? For, because I'm curious, that, why is your, we're, why is your... the, we're, we're already predicting the end. That no. is assuming no, that, no, no, no. that's assuming that you we're going to be divorced. No, no you don't need not. to use it if you don't divorce. Exactly. But if things go wrong, you're prepared because yeah. if things go wrong, it means that, I mean, wait, if things go wrong, like then things can get nasty. So nothing's going to go wrong. If what they're gonna not going to go, gonna go so if they're not going to go wrong, then what do you care? You just don't use it ever. And that's it. So but if they do go wrong, well, you call As it. you say, we're all sinners. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> a little fast. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. You got to be prepared <gasps> if somebody fucks up. No! Yeah. Oh, if my husband <laughs> comes to me like, okay, we're going to have to talk about the prenup. I'd be like, hmm, what prenup? What, what, what prenup? There's no prenup. There will be no prenup. We're going to be together forever. But then you don't have to worry about the prenup. If you're going to be forever with him, what do you care about the exactly. prenup? You're never going to use it, and that's it. Boom. Wow. Yep. Is it because so I'm still So if you truly want to be with him forever, then you yes. shouldn't be scared of the prenup because mm. you're never going to use the prenup. Mm -hmm. No, but for me, it, it, even, it leaves the window. It's too, I don't want that, I don't want that, that avenue open. I don't even want that. It's not an avenue open. It's just like you're covered in case things go wrong. Why am I encasing this? Why am I in case? I'm so, do I literally? Because, because shit like happens. I just said, we're all sinners. Yeah, shit happens. And if we're all sinners, we're going to handle it in-house, okay? Like Nah, there's different type of sinners. Yeah, there's different types of like sin. There's like Cosby-level sinners. <laughs> <laughs> and you're not handling that in-house. <laughs> <laughs> Sin. That's what I'm saying. Could you imagine marrying? Oh wait, hold on. Wait, That's hold on. You guys bring up. You guys bring up something. 
Okay, my heart out would definitely have to be Cosby. <laughs> Cosby, uh, any kind of like uh, Jeffrey Epstein-ish. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm saying. That. Okay. All right, you guys may have got me sold. <laughs> I think maybe, maybe I'll get a prenup. Oh, my God. Wow, I didn't even think about that. But for me, I always thought like it assumed that we're going to get a divorce and I will not get married. Like, I would rather not get married. I will never get a divorce. I just, I know it's not happening. But that I understand. And I You're feel you guys, I'm in the same, like, if I ever get married, it's because I want to get married, meaning that I have a project with you and I'm like... Thinking about divorcing. (laughs) (laughs) Just as a project. We are producing an episode of our family. (laughs) The firstborn is to come out in 12 months, nine months. You guys, are we high? We're not high. (laughs) This is like, are we heat high? I don't know. You're producing a family. (laughs) That was hilarious. Wait, what were you saying, Clara? No, but yeah, like we have... A project in common, you know, like you're not thinking of divorce already. It doesn't make sense because you just if you're getting married, it's because you want to be with that person, yes. you know. Yes, divorce can happen if things go wrong because things can go wrong, but you don't start a project thinking of you know the way out already. I know? guess you're right. Like, no. if, I'm not trying to marry someone if I don't know that I'm going to be with them for the rest no, of my life. No, you guys life. definitely, you guys have got me a little bit sold. I'm a little bit sold. I'll have to sit on it. But okay. you definitely, I never you sleep on it and then let it <laughs> no, know. <laughs> no. Seriously, okay. I know it ever changes my mind. It's like I'm such a stubborn ass bitch, but like you guys really got me. Um, okay, a final note on remembering. Boom, boom, boom. All right. God knows. God knows that when the blessings pour down, sometimes we forget how we got them. That's why there's like an expression that like people from rich countries and rich people, they're like the least religious of some sort like normally it's like third world countries that believe in god and and some of that nature um when life is cushy and comfortable and grand how do you remember where you came from and the bible tells us that in deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 10 when the lord your god brings you into the land he swore unto your fathers to abraham isaac jacob to give you a land with large flourishing cities you did not build houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide wells that you did not dig and vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. That was like almost poetic. And and, and what he's saying there is, you see all these lavish things, you see all these things that you have, don't don't get drunk off of them. Forget, don't, don't forget that these blessings came from somewhere don't forget about me it's kind of like what god is saying there and it it's kind of like again i'm going to bring it back to the parent it's high tangy when a parent gives a child a gift that he knows his kid's gonna love he gives it to the kid and he wants him to play with it you know what i'm saying but what happens if the kid takes the present doesn't say thank you goes to locks himself in his room and then starts playing it's like oh man i just gave my son a gift that made us a little more distant it's kind of like that. God doesn't want us to do that with his gifts. Mm-hmm. He wants to share them with us. He wants you to make it a part of him. He doesn't just want you to cry out when you're in despair or whatever. He wants to be there for the celebrations too. That also, remember the remembering thing we're talking about? That's how you remember. You remember in celebrations. Moses also tells the Israelites to uh, uh, remember what God did for him through the Passover, through the, the festival of weeks, the festival of the tabernacle, 
Like th these are all, he's just giving them ways to remember. Listen, Moses is about to kick the bucket. We're at a part of the speech where he's trying to like squeeze it all in for the future. Like you guys are gonna inevitably fall, here are your warnings. And here, here's how you get back. You know, like, um, like a, damn, yo, am I a poet? But it, I don't know why this mm -hmm. image comes in my brain, but like, you know, those scuba divers that go like the cave diving, mm -hmm. they do it, but they have that line, that line that gets them through. It's a safety line. Mm -hmm. That's the safety line that I'm discussing right now is remembering in the scuba diver going down those dangerous caves and whatever, that's life. Mm. Like hold, hold on to the safety, to the safety line. Don't hold too tight. And also in scuba diving, you're not allowed to hold too tight either. I don't know where I came, where that Aww. even came from. I did not write that down. That was a high tangy, guys, <laughs> if I ever did have one. Now, the second warning was in pride. So the two warnings that Moses gives the Israelites are thoughts of fear and thoughts of pride. That's the kiss of death. And he makes it as succinct as possible. And lastly, God wants the Israelites to circumcise their hearts. <laughs> he says that. He literally says circumcise their hearts. Moses reminds them that God's rules aren't about diminishing their happiness and their freedom, but he wants to amplify it. God has chosen them apart for a reason. But let's dive into scripture to talk about the circumcision. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we need some context. That's a little weird. Chapter 10, verse 16. Circumcise your hearts, therefore, and do not be stiff-necked any longer. Stiff-necked was what God referred to the Israelites, the, the first generation, when they started worshiping the golden calf right in front of his face, when they, I don't know if you guys know this, but at Mount Sinai during the Ten Commandments, literally right after the, they started worshiping the golden calf, and God called them. You guys are a stiff-necked people, stiff meaning hard. Your hearts are hard. You're a hard people to crack. But he's saying if you circumcise your heart, if you literally cut off that stubbornness, that stubborn part of your heart, you can replace that with that love, that God. Replace that stubbornness with God. And that's kind of what, what he says with the circumcision. Mm. And, and it's, it's funny because in Genesis, we hear that the circumcision of men, literally when they chop their dicks off, with Abraham, the covenant. Mm. <laughs> I saw your nostril flare. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> but in Genesis, the, the first covenant was sanctified through circumcision. Every man had to get a cir circumcision. Uh, and it's evident that even though these men were circumcised, they were still sinning. They were still falling. So God said, you know what? Circumcising your heart is what I need you to do. Like the mm. dick is not enough. No, <laughs> we have to Clearly the, the dick's not enough. <laughs> like, you know, I've never seen an uncircumcised dick before. Uncircumcised dick? Never seen it. Oh, you must have seen some. I mean, not calling you a whore, but you're from Europe. <laughs> 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 you're from Europe. <laughs> <laughs> You're from España. Yeah. Uh, isn't it like a thing that the men don't, they're not uncircumcised? Not everyone is uncircumcised. Not everyone What's is the, circumcised there. Yeah. I mean, I not don't know everyone. what your, uh, the, <laughs> the subject line, I don't know what your numbers are. <laughs> but like, isn't it a thing like in Europe, they don't circumcise their peens? Uh, yeah, it's, I mean, I don't like. Have you seen an uncircumcised I have seen peen? it, yeah. What, is it just flappy? <laughs> it's ugly as fuck. <laughs> like, <laughs> Sorry to any man with uncircumcised yeah, dick. Like, it doesn't matter. We love you anyways. I don't love you. She doesn't <laughs> love you. But we, God loves you anyways. <laughs> so they have like just a flat dick flap. I, just, I don't know. No, but like, God doesn't love them. Yeah, God does love them. <laughs> God, God's even telling them, yo, cut yo, that shit up, bro. The dick and the heart, bro. 
<laughs> You're going to hell. We're not releasing this episode. Oh my god. I gracia Okay, first of all, I wow, that was really good. God does want you to circumcise yourself, but if you don't have your dick circumcised, it's never too late. Um, <laughs> Why did that sound like a commercial? I don't know, God. I don't know, God. But anyways, um, okay, Moses then, after this uh, discussion over circumcising your heart, <laughs> Moses then tells uh, the, the people about five stories of rebellion again. He just sums it back up. Basically, what I'm saying is Deuteronomy is a book of recapping and reviewing. Basically, like, you know how a coach talks to their team before a game? Mm -hmm. That's what it is. And the game really starts when Moses dies. Right. And he knows he is. Oh. He knows he knows it's but he's about to die. So that's why he's like he's amping it up. And in Deuteronomy, God asks for the people to to uh, um, not be wishy washy with their love, especially not at the beginning. In the beginning, no, like that, that. That's it. And Moses recognizes that. So it, I'm not going to go into these too deeply, but we're veering towards the end of the book and he discusses some new laws. Uh, not just revising the old ones or reviewing the old ones. So we discuss unclean and clean food. Now, apparently, before you weren't allowed to eat meat with milk. Meat with milk is what I just said. Apparently, in some Jewish kitchens, they have two kitchens separately. One for you to handle meat and one for you to handle dairy. Dairy. Oh, apparently, now with these new rules, like it's a little more lackadaisical. Like, now, if you're unclean, you can also have meat. Um, um, tithing was another thing. You know tithing? Yeah. Tithes. Um, you're, you are to give one-tenth of your land, or obviously you're supposed to give one-tenth to the church, but that's not what they discuss in Deuteronomy. The one-tenth that God dis uh, wants for the Israelites is to take care of the poor people. Ooh. So if you have affluence and whatever, you are to keep one-tenth of whatever you earn and give them to those that are less fortunate. Sure. There's another thing. Remember how we said that the, bo books are, the books in the Bible are typically misogynistic? Hmm. There's a part in Deuteronomy where literally a couple verses where he discusses widowed women or women that are abandoned by their men or whatever, that we are to take care of them with these tithes to take care of women. Well, yeah, I know. Of course. About I mean, time. But, <laughs> hello. But it's just so cool that in Deuteronomy, you can see God's heart soften. Like he, he's not a savage. Like he was in numbers. You know, you already see it and, and it for sure softens with the coming of Christ. Again, I'm a Christian. That's what I believe. But it's just, it's so beautiful to see a father not miss any details, mm. you know? And to, especially for women who were so often neglected, he allots like a whole, like almost a whole chapter to taking care of them. Like there's even this verse, I remember reading it before I came in, that was like, if a man marries you as his wife, but finds out that you're not a virgin and he leaves you and spreads rumors about you, that wife can go to her parents and be like, no, I am a virgin on some TI shit, like prove it, <laughs> prove your virginity to me or whatever. But point is that husband is to be punished and is to be like, uh, owes the government, the Canaanite government money for doing that. Hmm. Just all these rules to protect women. You rarely see it. So anytime you do see it, it's like, thank you, mm -hmm. you know, for back then to have those laws back then. Hmm. Come on now. I'll take whatever I can get is what I'm trying to say here. Fair enough. Yeah. Now, uh, yada, yada, yada. Now we're definitely at the end. And Moses sings a song for the people. And after his song, he uh, reveals blessings and curse curses. 
where, uh, let's hop into scripture. Chapter 27, verse 12. When you have crossed the Jordan, these tribes shall stand on Mount uh, Gerizim to bless the people, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Joseph, Benjamin. These are all the tribes of Israel. And these tribes shall stand on Mount Ibal to pronounce curses, Reuben, God, Asher, Zebulun, Dan, and Nephtali. The, the, these are the, the tribes. Half of the tribes are going to be to the left. The other tri tribes are going to be to the right. One is going to be uh, uh, announcing blessings. The other is going to be announcing curses. And they're going to correspond with one another. So the second that one of the tribes announces uh, a blessing like, uh, God will drive out away all of your enemies into seven different directions. The other mountain will announce a curse corresponding to that one. So they'll say, if you sin, if you fall, the opposite will be true. Your enemies will take over and you will run in seven different directions. Mm. Oh, just like even thinking about like the psychological aspect of that, like the, the duality of, of what your decisions can do. And it, it kind of like the, it gives you like chaos and order, yin and yang. The Bible is so deeply philosophical. Even in that vision, that image of these two mountains, I think it's so cool, you know? I, I, I don't know if that's going to land, but when I read that, I thought that was so neat. Anyways. I think it's so cool how passionate you are when you talk about it. It's like, just like mesmerizing, honestly. I think it's so cool. It makes me kind of cry too, or I don't want to cry, but like it makes me emotional that like our God is so, um, that he even gives us these things like to, to receive he didn't have to do that. We don't deserve it. But he does not anyways. Oh, <laughs> anyways. Uh, <laughs> all right, now we're done. Moses predicts their fall. He basically says, you guys are going to mess up. God knows y'all are going to mess up. It's going to happen. Could you imagine being the people being like, wait, what? You just gave us all, all these right. laws. Why don't you believe in us? And he's like, because we know y'all. We know y'all are trifling. And in the scripture, chapter uh, chapter thirty, verse six, the Lord your God will um, uh, uh, the the Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants, so that you may love Him and will love Him with all your heart, with all your soul, and live. And I repeat that because they repeat it. So even though even though Moses tells them, like, listen, you're gonna fall, he ends it with, listen, if you choose God, if you choose life, if you choose a life with God. You'll be okay. Like, though I'm a little doubtful, though I'm a little dubious, I still, if he, uh, he offers that option to you. If you choose life, you'll win every time. Hmm. And also, Moses is a person. Like, again, he showed himself he was a little petty before. Here he shows that he knows y'all. He knows y'all are going to fall. And he also sh shares it to jo Joshua who's going to have to adopt all these new guys. Oh yeah, he's the one taking over. He's going to be taken over. And he tells Joshua too, because Joshua's getting a little nervous too. He's seen it all too. Mm. And he's telling them, listen, so long as they obey the rules and remember what God has done for them before, he will provide again. Just keep remembering, keep remembering. And if you forget and if you fall, which you will, come back and re repent and remember. Repent and remember. Boom. In a nutshell... Moses says that if you choose life, if you remember God, then you'll be set. All right, Bible babes, it's about to get grim. Moses is about to die. Hmm. Let's hop to scripture. Chapter 32, verse 50, if you want to join. 
On that same day, the Lord told Moses, go up to the Abram range to Mount Nebo in Moab across the Jericho and view Canaan, the land I am giving the Israelites as their own possession. There on the mountain that you have climbed, you will die and be gathered to your people, just as your brother Aaron died on Mount Hor and was gathered to his people. This is because both of you broke faith with me in the presence of the Israelites at the waters of Meribah Kadesh. This is when I was one of the times that Moses sinned and defamed God in front of him. And because you did not uphold your holiness among the Israelites, therefore you will not see the land only from a distance. You will not enter the land I am giving the people of Israel. Pretty sad, huh? And it is at this point where Moses passes the torch to Joshua and he says, this is it. It's your time now. And Moses goes up the mountain and there he dies. And then it also says that God took his remains and buried them in some unknown territory. No one knows where Moses' remains were. Why do you think that is? Any guesses? No. Because it made it. The first thing, when I read that, I was like, huh? Hmm. What? What are they going to do with the body? <laughs> and I have an idea. This is, how we, this is how we should be reading the Bible in an active way. Mm. Like asking questions. And I asked myself, what would make God bury the body away from everybody? Bingo. These people have proclivities to worship idols, mm. to worship things or whatever. If they were to have seen Moses' dead body, his carcass there, they would have started worshiping Moses like a god or something. And we could not have that happen. And that's what that Moses' last parting words were. Don't be worried. Don't be scared, people. You know, the people were crying like, please don't leave. What do we do? Even Joshua. And Moses said, again, don't worship me. I'm leaving. I'm going to be gone. But God does not. Worship him. So I thought that was so cool that they left that kind of ambiguous. It's that ambiguous way that God speaks with us in the Bible that is so, um, it's like magical. It's like there, it's 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 rich when he le he leaves us to decide or interpret what happens because then it opens it opens the discussion, uh, especially with me and my Christian friends. I asked my pastor too, and he said something different, and then you can come together and like discuss. But yeah, anywho, so Moses is dead, and um, okay, wait, yeah, blah, blah, blah. so Moses has died, and. The next book, which is arguably one of my favorites, is called Joshua. And that is where we follow Joshua, you know, shepherding the Israelites into the promised land. And it is such an epic story. It's so wild. You guys have to come back. We finally come back to stories with characters and, and um, character arcs and wars and battles. And God is really salacious and exciting and does really cool things. So come back next week because we're done with laws and stuff. Stay tuned for Joshua. Moral of the story is God's love is a familiar feeling. It's this deep-seated wisdom that we all have access to. Like Moses told the Israelites, whenever you guys are caught slipping, just remember, remember all that 
the Lord has done for you in the past. Because he'll show back up for you in the present. You just have to remember. And the more you remember, it's like you strengthen that muscle. That connection, it grows the more you make loving God a practice. And with any practice, you start slow. You start with training wheels. And God knows that. God is patient. God knows we're going to fumble. But Moses warned Joshua and the people of Israel that fear and pride in their thinking minds were the cause of their problems. Where there is fear and pride, <laughs> where there is fear and pride, the love does not reside. Where's my book deal? Someone give me a book. Oh, okay. <laughs> Where's my book deal? <laughs> Let me run that back. Where there is fear and pride, the love does not reside. And it's it, 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 Deuteronomy is an example of that. It's a reminder for us. Not only was God's good grace and God's salvation the reason why we were delivered, but fear and pride were at the root of every time we'd fail. You can't earn God's blessings. They're literally a gift to you. And that piece of information should be so humbling to know that God's already done the heavy lifting. We just got to choose to love love. You know, God knows that we're not perfect. He doesn't care about that. God doesn't bless us because we act in perfect ways and we behave. It isn't about you. God blesses us because of his goodness, not ours. Ooh. Hey, Father. Yeah, you know, I think it was a fun time, right, guys? It got a little dense, but uh-huh. Yeah, no, like, you know, like Spice Girls. If you want to be my lover. <laughs> <laughs> he loves you guys. All right, see you next week. No, you don't like it? Baby Spice? I'm not baby. <laughs> I'm black.